Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this gathering this evening. And Lord, we recognize that without your Holy Spirit, this meeting is in vain. And so we ask that the power of your Spirit would fill this room, that you'd fill our hearts, that you'd speak to us in a personal and intimate way, that you'd captivate our minds tonight, that you'd convict our hearts, and that you'd help us to sense the urgency of the hour in which we live, that tonight we would see our need of Jesus and our need of a closer, deeper, and more intimate relationship with him. Father, I pray that you'd please put your words in my mouth. Speak to me and through me to the hearts of all of us gathered this evening. And I pray, Lord, that at the end of this presentation, we would be better prepared for your coming as a result. This is our prayer, and we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I hope you brought your Bibles tonight, and if you did, I invite you to take it and open with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation, we're going to go to the sixth chapter as we begin our Bible study tonight, a short study. In the sixth chapter of Revelation, we find a very urgent and solemn question that's asked in the last days, a question of awful solemnity, a question in which we must know the answer to in order to be ready and to make it in these last days. So what we want to do tonight in this opening presentation is basically laying the foundation for the remainder of the messages for this upcoming weekend. And tonight we want to ask this question, and the rest of the weekend we'll spend some time studying and examining how the Bible, how the Bible answers this urgent and solemn question. But first I want us to notice the context in which this question is asked. So we're in Revelation chapter 6, beginning with verse 14, and if you're there and if you're ready to study the Bible tonight, would you let me know by saying amen? amen. The Bible says in Revelation 6 verse 14, and the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man did what? They hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. Here in these solemn words of scripture, we find a very dramatic description of the second coming of Jesus. The Bible says that when the Lord comes, the heaven is going to split and the earth is going to be shaken. And then it describes a group of people from every different walk of life, rich and poor, free and bond, those in leadership and those who are followers from every walk of life. But yet they all have one thing in common, and that is that when they see Jesus coming in the clouds, they're running and hiding from his face. The Bible tells us in verse 16, they cry to the mountains and rocks, hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the what does it say? Lamb. Interesting. Not the wrath of the lion, but the wrath of the lamb. Here we find Jesus is described sitting upon the throne as not a lion, but a lamb. A lamb very different from a lion because it reveals the, the nature of this king sitting on the throne. And, and that is that he's not just the royal lion, but he's also the meek and lowly lamb. He conquers not by military power, but he conquers by the power of love. He is the lamb sitting upon the throne, and when he comes, this group of people are afraid of the Lamb. 
not afraid of a lion, afraid. And they would rather be crushed by a rock than to see the rock of ages. They would rather be pulverized by a boulder than to see the Prince of Peace. And on this great dreadful day, the question of, a question of desperation rings from their lips in verse 17. Here's the question. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? That's the question. And friends, I want to share with this, young people, that on this great day of reckoning, nothing else will matter except the answer to that question. That which seems so important to us in the here and in the now will fade into eternal insignificance on this day. The only thing that will matter is, are we standing? Are we ready for this day? It does not matter how much money we have or don't have. Jobs and possessions, positions and popularity and prestige, none of these things will make a difference. Degrees and education, these things will will not make a difference in light of eternity. The only thing that will make a difference is, are we ready to stand on this day? Who? shall be able to stand. And so that's how the chapter closes. Revelation 6, verse 17, ends with the question, who shall be able to stand? And then when you follow the context into the next chapter, chapter 7, the Bible spends time answering that question. And time is not going to permit us to do an extensive study on Revelation 7, but just allow me to summarize what it's talking about. In Revelation chapter 6, the question is, who shall be able to stand? The next chapter, chapter 7, answers that question by describing a group of people, a final generation that will be standing when the Lord comes. These are ripe and ready for the harvest. And it's a group that God is calling us to be a part of. I want to be a part of that group. And notice these are the last ones standing, and notice how they are introduced. Revelation 7, now notice verse 1. After these things, John writes, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. What were they holding? Four winds. That the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the seed nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. That's the answer to the question, who shall be able to stand? Those who have the seal of the living God in their foreheads. But notice the way in which this group is introduced is first by describing four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, that's north, south, east, and west, and they're withholding the four winds from blowing upon the earth. Now, do you know what the wind, winds represent? According to Proverbs one twenty-seven, those winds represent strife, war, desolation, and destruction. In other words, the, the job description of these angels is that they're holding back the final desolation and destruction of the last days. And prophecy tells us that, that, that the time of trouble, this great desolation period, will be the close of human probation. The time of trouble will only commence when probation is closed upon the world. And so when you see these angels holding back the winds from blowing on the earth, uh, withholding destruction and desolation, what they're really doing is that they're holding back the close of human probation, giving God's people more time to get ready to stand in the last days. But soon, 
those angels will let go those wings. Soon probation will close, and on this day, the Bible describes a group of people who are falling and failing, running to the rocks and mountains, but we're not concerned with that group of people. We want to know who will be able to stand on this day. Who will endure this final round in the great controversy between good and evil? All around us, there are people who are falling, but how many of you tonight want to say, Lord, I want to be found standing on this day? Is that your desire? Nothing else is going to matter, friends. And so, Revelation chapter 7, the rest of it answers the question, and we'll look at some of the answers on tomorrow night and the next night and this weekend. But before we see how Revelation answers it, I want us to go to to see how Jesus answered it. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Matthew, and we're going to go to the seventh chapter. Matthew chapter 7, where we find Jesus giving his Sermon on the Mount, And he's coming to the close of his sermon, and uh, normally the closing is the most important part of the message. And so as he comes to the close, he uses a metaphor describing those who will be able to stand. And I want us to notice it because it's a very fascinating and profound parable. Notice what it says, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Here's Jesus' answer to the question, who shall be able to stand? Jesus said, therefore, whoever does what? hears these sayings of mine and does what? Does them. I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the what? The wind blew, and it beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. Here's the wise man standing when the winds are blowing. But in contrast to that, verse 26, Jesus describes, But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, I will liken him unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So let's examine this parable in the limited time we have tonight. To illustrate who shall be able to stand. In this metaphor, Jesus makes several contrasts between two different men. And these two men have at least three things in common. How many things? Number one, they both heard the sayings of Jesus. Isn't that right? Both of them heard the word of God. And tell me, what comes from hearing the word of God? The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these two men both heard the sayings of Jesus. Therefore, they both have faith. Both of them also have houses. Now, if these men were the ones that heard the sayings of Jesus and if faith comes by hearing the sayings of Jesus, then these houses represent their faith, a house of faith. The third thing they have in common is that both of their homes, both of their houses, experience the storm. This storm was a test to their faith. So all of them heard the sayings of Jesus, or excuse me, both of them heard the sayings of Jesus. Both of them have a house of faith, and both of their faiths were tested by the storm and by the wind. And friends, when it's all been said and done, each and every one of us are going to experience a storm in our lives. That will test our faith to the uttermost. No one will be able to avoid this storm. This is the common ground of humanity. 
everyone is going to face this storm. Every man's faith is going to be tested. And the question is, who will be able to stand? But here's where the two men differ. One had a house that stood firm. The other had a, a house faith that faltered and failed. And what made the difference between their homes? One word, foundation. What is the most important part of a house or any building? It's not the roof. It's not the color of the paint. It's not the furniture. It's the foundation. That's the most important part of any structure. It's the most important part of our lives. One chose to build his life on a solid rock foundation. The other chose to build his life on the sinking sand foundation. And the Bible tells us that the one that built his house on the rock was wise, and the one that built his house on the sand was foolish. But the question is, what made the wise wise and the foolish foolish? The difference is this. The wise man heard and did the sayings of Jesus, whereas the foolish man heard but did not do it. In other words, the wise man had a faith that worked. A faith that what? And it worked because it was a living faith. Whereas the foolish man that built his house on the sand, he had faith, but a dead faith, a faith that did not work. A faith that works, a living faith, versus a faith that did not work, a dead faith. Both had faith, but one had a faith that endured the storm. And the question that I want to ask us tonight is, what kind of faith do you have? Because many people say, I have faith, I believe. And I believe that many of us have faith. In fact, I think that all of us, most if not all of us, have faith because we've all heard the sayings of Jesus. But what kind of faith? What does it really mean to believe? What does it mean to have a faith that, that stands the storm of the last days? Well, I love the story I heard about the man by the name of Charles Blondin. I don't know if you've heard that name before, but let me tell you, Charles Blondin was the, was the first man to walk across a tightrope. He was a tightrope walker, and he was the first one to walk across a tightrope over Niagara Falls. Any of you been to Niagara Falls before? Amazing waterfall. And he walked across it many times back and forth. There was no safety net to catch him. He did it many times. It was, he, he was risking his life, but he was successful at it. And great crowds gathered to watch it. It was a very a huge spectacle. You can read it in the New Guinness Book of World Records. Well, one day he's about to walk across the tightrope when a great crowd gathered, and there was a man in the crowd that said, Mr. Blondin, why don't you take someone with you across the falls? And Charles Blondin looked at that man and said, wow, you believe I can do that? And he says, yes, I believe. I mean, you did it so many times. Surely you can take someone with you. You really believe that I can do it? Yes, I believe. And so Mr. Blondin said, okay. Get on my back and we'll try it. And the man quickly disappeared in the crowd. He said he believed, but he said it with his words, but not with his actions. But did you know that about a year later, Charles Blondin actually took someone with him on his back across the falls? His name was Harry Coco. And that man who got on his back demonstrated what it really means to have a faith that stands. A living faith. Because he was willing to put his life in the hands of this individual. It was a full commitment. It wasn't just an intellectual knowledge of truth, a mental ascent of hearing and seeing. But he was willing to put his life in his hands and in getting on his back. He was basically saying, I'm no longer in control of my life. Now you're in full control of my life. 
I don't have the ability to get across the falls by myself, but I'm trusting in you that you can take me safely across the falls. That's what it means to believe in the Lord. A living faith that stands. A willingness to not just say, yes, I know that God is real. Yes, I know that the Sabbath is on Saturday. Yes, I know that the Bible is true. But when you personally, individually come to the point where you come to God for yourself and you say, okay, God, I've I've been in control of my life for too long. Now I'm putting my life in your hands, my finances in your hands, my education, my family, my relationships. I'm letting you be in control. I'm no longer in control, but I'm trusting that, 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 that you will never fail me. You will never fall. And you are the one that can take me safely across the tightrope of life. And all I'm going to do is what? Is hold on. That's all he could do. Hold on. Hold on to him who is able to keep you from falling. You see, in the metaphor, both had faith, but only one that had had a living faith that endured the storm. What kind of faith do you have tonight? Is it one that easily folds when the winds begin to blow? Or is it one that stands firm and does not falter despite the conditions. You know, as I was thinking about the theme that uh, the GYC Southeast Committee chose, here we stand, it reminded me of the words of Martin Luther. Now, I'm not sure if you studied his life before, but if you were to read the book Great Controversy, oh, it's, it, it, it's so inspiring. Martin Luther, let me just tell you what happened to him. He was one that was brought before the Diet at Worms in, in Germany. He was brought there to give an answer to the charge of heresy and to recount the biblical truths that he stood for during that great time of darkness. And to do anything but recant his beliefs was to ensure the condemnation of the council, the condemnation of heresy, which was punishable by a torturous death at the stake being burnt alive. And so he came, but he came with Holy Spirit boldness. He stood before the emperor of Germany, the king, and all the counselors, all the nobles of Germany Germany were there. And this humble monk by himself stood up and when asked to recount his beliefs, to save his life, here's what he said, and I quote, My conscience is taken captive by God's word. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to act against conscience is neither safe for us nor open to us. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Here I stand. What enabled him to stand when the winds were blowing is because he had a faith founded upon the solid rock. Amen. A faith founded upon the word of God. He was a wise man. His faith withstood the storm. And that's the type of faith we need, friends. We need that faith right now because let me tell you, while the angels are withholding the winds, they're loosening from their hands today. All around us, we see that the winds are beginning to blow and we don't have the time to go through all the signs. But let me just list a few. Uh, my, 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 my brothers and sisters, we see economic instability. Increasing in our world, causing majority of people to become more and more dependent upon large financial institutions that can regulate the buying and the selling. We see natural disasters increasing with intensity and frequency, political corruption, moral decay, international unrest, 
and we see that the, 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 the churches of the world are, are coming together in an ecumenical unity, prophecy is being fulfilled. And the question is, who shall be able to stand? Who will be able to stand? We're going to look at the answer to that question tomorrow night and on the, on, on the other presentations this weekend. Tonight was just basically an introduction to set the tone, to focus us. I know that college is busy. You have assignments, papers to write, tests to prepare for. You got to work to pay the, your, your school dues and your loans and whatnot. I know that things are very busy, so I have much sympathy for that, but I want to challenge you this weekend to to spend some time searching your heart, spend some time taking inventory of your life and looking upon the foundation in which you're building your life upon and to see, is this a solid rock foundation or is it sinking sand? Because no matter how nice your house is, how, how, how good your life may be, if the foundation is weak, it doesn't matter how nice the house is. The foundation, who shall be able to stand? Yesterday, in the few minutes we have left, I just would like to share with you, yesterday we, uh, or I should say a few days ago, we flew back from Tonga and uh, Fiji. We arrived back at home in Fresno, California on uh, Monday, uh, no, Sunday, and we were home one day, Monday, to unpack and pack, and then we had an early morning flight yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. And we, all, we had our bags packed. We were ready, uh, excited to come here to Southern for the special weekend event. And when we came to the airport, our flight was at 6 o'clock. We arrived around uh, uh, 5, 5.15. And it's a small airport, so we could, you know, come, you know, within an hour. My wife dropped me off, dropped me off to check in the bags while she parked the car. And uh, because I'm a United Gold member, I was able to walk right into the front of the line. So I checked in my bags, and then I waited in the waiting area for my wife after she was uh, parking the car. And I waited there. I saw the line of the TSA line was unusually long yesterday morning. It was never, I never saw it that long before, but I, was, I wasn't afraid in the least. Even though we, it was about 5.30 when my wife walked in and our plane was leaving at 6, I wasn't afraid because not only am I a United Gold member, I also have TSA pre which enables us to, to, to go to a special line, to skip all the line, to go right to the front, and we don't have to take off our shoes or our jacket or remove our laptops. We can just go straight through. And, and so I was there as a good husband wanting to wait for my wife. As a good Christian, I was waiting and reading the great controversy at the same time. <laughs> and when she walked in, she, she, she saw the line, how long it was, and then she looked at me, and I could see the look on her face. She was looking at me like I was an idiot. And she said, what are you doing? Why are you not waiting in line to save us a spot? And I looked at her, and I, and I had to let her know, well, I'm, I'm a good husband. I wanted to wait for you. And I had to remind her, don't worry, love. We have TSA pre. We don't have to go through this line. And so I was confident. And so we got we went to the TSA pre-line only to learn that that line was closed. And boarding was taking place, and we had to go to the very back. And so we were there, standing in line, and I was humbled at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I tried to go through the staff line, but you need a special badge to get through that line, so we couldn't go through the staff line. And so we waited in a line that wasn't moving fast enough. Have you ever experienced that before? We're waiting in this line. It wasn't moving fast enough. And the stress and cortisol levels begin to rise as we heard the announcements over the PA system. United Flight 6497 is boarding all rows. And then again, the last call for this flight. And then all passengers, they said over the PA, all passengers come immediately to the gate for an on-time departure. And we were still way back in the line. And by the time we got through TSA... Boarding was closed, but we still had five minutes before six o'clock. It was 5.55. And so we booked it through the, to the gate, which happened to be at the very end of the terminal. <laughs> and when we got there, we got to the gate. The door was closed. There was no one in sight. But then I looked through the window and the plane was right there. And so I scanned my own ticket and I started pounding on the door. And then I went to the window and I saw the pilots in the plane. I started jumping up, waving my hands. Open the door. Let us in. We're here. We were so close. So close. But so far. And when finally one of the workers opened the door, you know what she said? I'm sorry. It's too late. No amount of negotiation would open that door. It was too late. And then finally my wife caught up to me because I ran and I, I, I was faster than she was. She caught up to me and she took a picture of me waving through the... Maybe I'll show that picture tomorrow. But she caught up to me and she said, now you have a new sermon illustration. You ran fast enough, but you did not run soon enough. And what a powerful lesson for us to learn, friends. I ran fast enough. But I did not run soon enough. That's the description we find in Revelation 6. They're running fast, but not soon enough. It's too late. And so, my beloved brothers and my sisters, let us not wait until it's too late to stand. Let us make every moment count for eternity. Let's seek the Lord with all our hearts. Let us not wait around like I did in self-assuring indifference. Let's not think to ourselves that because we know the truth, we can bypass the line what a tragedy to be stopped at the gate of the city. To be so close and yet so far. And so, my friends, while the gate is still open, while the winds are still being withheld, while there's still time for us to stand, let us get ready, get ready, get ready, for the Lord is coming. And the question is, who shall be able to stand? How many of you want to be found standing on this great day? If so, would you please stand with me as we close with prayer? Lord, thank you so much for orchestrating this weekend revival. This time that we can come together from, the, from business as usual, to take inventory of our lives, to examine the foundation that we're building our life upon. And Father, please forgive us for the times of our spiritual indifference. Forgive us, Lord, for procrastination and for allowing the enemy to distract us from that which is most important, which is the foundation. Father, tonight we want to be a found amongst those who are standing when you come. 
teach us what that means, that we might have a house founded upon the rock of faith that endures when the winds are blowing. And Father, we thank you that Jesus is the rock and that he is the sure foundation of our lives. Lord, as we dismiss tonight, may we go with that conviction in our hearts that time is short and that the flight is soon to leave, but yet, but yet the gate is still open. Lord, help us not to miss our flight from earth to heaven. Make us ready for this day and bless us now as we leave. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.